Good morning, Destiny family. Pastor Chris here. I just wanted to share a little bit with you about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you look in Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46, you see the story of where Jesus breaks away to go and pray with a couple of the disciples. Now, verse 36 says this, when Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, he said, sit here a while while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he says that he became anguished and distressed. He even told them that my soul is crushed with grief, even to the point of death. Now, Jesus goes on, he continues to pray and ask God if there's any way for this to pass, let this pass. But I love if we look at verse 42, Jesus left the second time to pray and he said, my father, if this cup cannot be taken unless I drink, then your will be done. I love this portion of scripture because it really shows the humanity of Jesus and the fact that he had this struggle between the pressure of what he was facing and wanting to do what was right. And how many of us can relate to that exact same thing? We've looked at pressures and issues going on in life and thought, God, if there's any other way, let me move away from this thing and not deal with what I've got to deal with right now. This very thing is what Jesus was facing right here, but his ultimate goal is, God, it's not about what I'm dealing with or walking through, but it's about your purpose and plan being released, not only in my life, but in the world around me. That needs to be the cry of our heart. One of the things that I love when we look at this comparison is Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane is known as an oil press. Now, this is the thing. It, at the very beginning, it says it was an olive grove. The thing about an olive is for an olive to become oil, the olive has to be crushed. And what was it that Jesus said as soon as he began to pray? My soul is crushed even to the point of wanting death. Now, I understand there's a lot of times that we face things in life and we think, man, there's no way I can overcome the pain of this situation. But we, if, if we allow God to move with purpose in the middle of our pain, he brings about an incredible restoration. And through this, through Jesus' obedience, he was not only able to bring about something incredible, but he was being able to bring salvation to the entire world. Thank God that's not the weight that we carry. But what we do carry is in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our frustration, we're able to be an example and a hope to a world that needs to know there is a loving Savior who has a plan and a purpose for their life. And I want you to know this morning, there is a loving Savior has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if we're able to move beyond the pain of our moment to see the purpose that God's designed us for, we're able to truly not only make a difference in our world, but actually find the purpose and the reason that we're here on this planet. So it doesn't matter what you face, it doesn't matter what you're walking through. If we can always find the time to break away from the pain and the things that are going on around us to pursue the heart of God, we're able to truly find our purpose in any situation that we're walking through. Romans 8:11 tells us that the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. As children of God, we don't live our lives the same way as the world does because the resurrection power of Christ lives in us. Jesus came, he died on the cross, he shed his blood so that we can be saved. That's saved, delivered, and healed. Right now, our world is in a crisis with this COVID-19 pandemic. And what the scientists have discovered is that as people have recovered from the virus, their blood has created these antibodies and they can actually take blood plasma from someone who has recovered from the virus and won the war and inject it into somebody who is fighting the virus and that helps them 
win the war against the virus. So it's no different with Jesus. Jesus shed his blood and he won the war. The book of Revelations tells us that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. There is power in the blood. It's not just some old hymn song. It really is true. Jesus won the war and that resurrection power, it lives in us. Jesus came, he died on the cross, but he is alive and that changes everything about the way we live our lives. There's two men traveling the seven mile stretch of road between Jerusalem and Emmaus. And these men are sad, they're confused and they're grieving because their rabbi, their teacher, the one they have hoped God would do extraordinary things through has been executed by the state and placed in a borrowed tomb. As they journey along the road, the Bible says a stranger joins them. They ask the stranger what his thoughts are concerning these events. And Luke tells us that the stranger is none other than the resurrected Jesus. But Jesus's response to them is with compassion. He says, what things? What's interesting to me is that Jesus is the only one that's really known what's taken place. But before he rebukes them or before he teaches them anything, he invites them into a conversation to share with him what's on their heart. Because Jesus is resurrected from the dead, the writer of Hebrews says he lived to make intercession for us. That means he lives to invite us into a conversation with him where we can not only share the joys, the failures, the things on our heart, sadness and grief, but he can also share his heart with us. We believe this is a great season for a conversation with God. So one of the things we wanna do is starting tomorrow, the day after Easter, there's 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. And we wanna invite you into a season of conversation with God. We'll have a devotional that will be shared every day, which will be taken from encounters with the resurrected Jesus. And we're hoping this creates space for you to have a conversation with God. I hope you'll join us on that journey. Jesus is alive. That's what this weekend is all about. We are celebrating the resurrection. It really is true that those who are disciples or hungry for more of what God has in store are the candidates that God is looking for to have conversation with them. Jesus is wanting to have that conversation, introduce us to the conversation of God in a way that it begins to inspire and empower our lives. There are three ways that we grow in that conversation. It's very important that we implement these in our lives. First, there's the Word of God that has such certainty in our lives when we explore Scripture together. Then there's the Spirit of God where we learn to live our lives in such a way that the presence of God is just a way of life and every decision is becoming a discussion that we're having with God as we make those decisions. But the third thing is a really important element that many times is overlooked and that is the body of Christ, the church, the place of community. And I think there's something um, significant for us to learn in terms of conversation with God whenever we interact with each other, with other people who have hearts to really seek the Lord our God together. And so I want to encourage you, this week we want to host some Zoom meetings, just with those of you that might be tuning in or not really connected, I want to ask you to fill out our online connect card so that we can reach out to you and get that set up just to have some interaction, maybe help you find a group, an in, uh, uh, some people in our church family that would like to just encourage you in your faith and have conversations with you about uh, your, your walk with God. So if you would, just take out your phone and text DESTINY to 474747. 
You'll fill out that Connect card. Just put your name, your email, maybe your phone number. Then we'll reach out to you this week. We'll set that up so that we can uh, make that happen in terms of a Zoom conversation and interaction with you. And we're just believing for God to do something powerful in this season of the church. We don't want to just try and do what we need to do to have an expression of church. We want to be who God has called us to be. What we've learned in times like these where maybe it feels chaotic around us, God's deeply at work. In fact, what you'll find when you're reading Scripture, story after story after story, from beginning to end, we discover that God is mightily at work in many times our most painful circumstances of life. In fact, this weekend speaks of the fact that He can bring resurrection purpose out of our crucifixion pain. Jesus set that example, that He would endure the cross and suffer the pain that He suffered so that we might experience the power that He was wanting to demonstrate and then we walk that sacrificial example out as well, constantly bringing whatever it is that we may be experiencing in this world that we may not even understand, and we bring that before God, and He turns it into something beautiful as we trust Him through some of those things that can really seem to shake us at times. So the 2020 revelation for us this year is if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Every year at the beginning of the year, we're focusing on New Year's resolutions. We've learned that we want to bring an emphasis uh, of what God is revealing in terms of a New Year's revelation. And so that's our focus for the year. Coming into 2020, we sensed that God was saying it's time to move into supernatural dimensions. And I believe God's activating the church to function in a supernatural dimension. I believe my words right now have more weight than just some type of a, a conversation that we're having, some type of an influence that I'm trying to bring verbally. But there's an impartation that comes from heaven when we open our hearts to what God is desiring to reveal. So receive that today as we explore more of what God is desiring to release in our hearts and in our homes. God is constantly revealing His perspective in every situation that we face. And we have to understand that. We are not a people that just need to walk through life and have reaction to the circumstances that are going on around us, we can actually have a response to what God sees in a situation that we're in. In other words, if you can see what God sees, then you can see the invisible, and then you're empowered to do the impossible, to look at your situation from an entirely different perspective. In the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, God is showing up in powerful and personal ways. People are praying to together. People are getting into the Word. They're growing deeper in Scripture. Uh, parents are mentoring and discipling their children in ways that just maybe have never happened before in, in many of these families and these homes. God is raising up sons and daughters that are growing in a, in a nurtured relationship and an understanding of what God is really desiring to do in every one of our lives. God's Word in these times are having a much more pronounced role and a much more pronounced place as we're all kind of of asking, you know, what's the rhythm for this new normal that we've entered in for this particular season? I'm talking to a lot of people that are just looking for avenues to get deeper in the Word, find places of prayer, new rhythms of the Spirit as a way of life. And I just say we will never go back to the way things were in Jesus' name. We'll not only initiate these new rhythms in these seasons, but we will carry those rhythms not only into the future of our lives, but in the legacy that our children will see and our children's children. I believe our sons and daughters will be raised up as a mighty prophetic company of the Lord our God. When we're in touch, 
touch with what God is seeing and with what God is saying, then something takes place within us that has the power to transform the world around us. In other words, whatever's going on around us is not as powerful as what God does within us when we're in touch with what He sees and what He has to say about whatever is taking place. Jesus wasn't freaked out and fearful in the, in the boat going across the lake when the storm came up. He was at peace. He was at rest. In fact, He was at sleep. The, uh, he was asleep. The disciples woke Him up and said, Jesus, wake up. The storm's here. We're going to die. I mean, they, they thought it was over. But literally, Jesus woke up, and rather than processing the storm that was going on around him, he began to process the revelation that God was bringing, his Father was bringing in that situation. And that which was in his heart had the power to calm the storm around him. He didn't speak storm, he spoke peace, because peace was what was going on within him, and that's what had the power to transform the world around him. And you are the same. You are a son or daughter of God. And I'm just saying in this season, as Jesus is alive and we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ exists within the sons and daughters of God where we can speak peace to the storm that may be taking place around us right now, even in this pandemic. I'm believing that many of the words that have been spoken about this pandemic beginning to retreat in this season of the Passover, I'm believing it's coming to pass. We need to declare that as a church, that as quickly as this came, so will it go in Jesus' mighty name. We can set our faith and agreement together and pray. We, we bring this hope of a resurrection resurrected Christ who releases and reveals things within our hearts in a declaration that really can begin to transform the world and society in general. Nations are turning to Christ. Now, I want to talk to you about this out of a unique perspective of Amos chapter 3 today, and it says in verses 7 and 8, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Here's a very important part of this verse. The lion has roared... Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? In other words, when the lion of the tribe of Judah begins to roar in the earth, we cannot help ourselves. We begin to prophesy. Something gets awakened within us, and all of a sudden we begin declaring revelation from heaven that is more profound and more significant and more powerful than circumstances that are going on around us. Just a few months ago, Tracy stood up here in front of our congregational family, and she made a statement, and it resonated with me so deeply. She just got up and she actually referenced this verse. And she said, 100 years ago, the 1920s were known as the Roaring Twenties. And she said, as we've entered into 2020, it's not just a significant year, it's a significant decade. And the 2020s will also be known as the Roaring Twenties, but in this instance, it'll be known as the Roaring Lion that awakened the church in this particular decade. I sat there and I just thought, this is so significant. I got up that day and I announced and said, this is a word that is for our church and we are going to step into this revelation, launching into it Easter Sunday weekend. I want you to know that was February the 2nd, and here we are. That word resonated so strongly in me that I said, this is the weekend we're going to launch into that, not knowing everything that was going on, but God knew. 
And so here we are, the roaring 20s, we're rising up in a place where the lion of the tribe of Judah has a voice in the circumstances at hand, and we're believing God just to do a powerful work. Now, interestingly, the day that Tracy spoke that, I went back and looked just to verify, and it was February 2nd, or um, Wendy Dunaway was sitting on the second row when that happened, and she posted it on her social media, and I remember seeing how she put it, because she, she recorded it online as 0202. 2020. She was noting that it was 2020 one way and 2020 another. 0202 2020. And that's a really significant date that I want to explain to you for a couple of reasons. But, that, but uh, there's a, a whole focus of the 20s in this decade that God's bringing into the mix for us to understand the church is being activated, the church is being awakened. And so recognize this. We're looking around at what's going on and we're trying to figure out how to get out of this situation. And, and I believe this situation is going to pass, but God's trying to figure out how to deepen us in the situation. Or he's trying to deepen us so that we can figure out what it is that God's up to on a deeper level. There really has been a shift in the spiritual atmosphere of our nation. And let's not miss what God is doing right now in the midst of everything else going on. There's something very significant. I started looking at all the news networks across the nation, and I'm finding all kinds of clips like these that I want you to see, but literally hospitals all across the nation are becoming prayer centers where cars are gathering in parking lots and they're praying. Uh, medical professionals in the building are gathering and they're praying. I want you to see many, many news clips all across the nation just like this. Come on, just so powerful what God is doing right now. And I want to challenge you to understand hope is not a principle that we try to apply. Hope has never been a principle. Hope is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he wants to awaken something in the heart of this land that he does so by awakening in the heart of his people. And as we allow the hope of Christ to be awakened within us, we carry something within us that has the power to transform the world around us in amazing and wonderful ways. We begin to sense what God is saying. We begin to sense what God is seeing. And we begin to declare that and release that. And it transforms something of society in general. Transformation of nations begins to happen. When we hear what God has to say, then we begin to reveal and release that. It's a mysterious thing many times how that begins to unfold. I want to take you back to a prophecy that was spoken 34 years ago. In 1986, a man by the name of Dave Wilkerson. And I want you to think about how eerily uh, resembling to everything going on, very specifically, uh, that he heard from God of what would take place. He said these words in 1986, I see a plague coming on the world. Bars, churches, and government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer, into their Bibles, and repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. Out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and around the world. I believe very precisely what he was seeing is happening, and I believe very precisely what he said will continue to be born from this is about to take place. Will you believe God and pray earnestly for a third great awakening to happen in the land where the nations of the world turn to this resurrected king that we celebrate who has transformed our lives? Last year in September, 
Chuck Pierce gave this prophetic word. He said, there are plague-like conditions that are about to hit the earth. This was last year in September. He even specifically said, February, March, and April will be hellish. But if we celebrate and honor the blood of Jesus, the death structure that is gripping these nations will shift at Passover. That means now. This past Wednesday was the beginning of the Passover celebration. We are in that place where that spiritual shift is taking place. Expect for coronavirus reports to begin to diminish. Expect for the curve to flatten. Expect for it not to escalate but to go down and to be in Jesus' name completely and fully erased eradicated and expect for the third great awakening in the nations of the world to be born. And you and I were born for such a time as this, to be the believers, the Christians, the sons and the daughters of God that would usher this in and be devoted in deep places of revelation and prayer. God wants us not to be on our heels like the rest of the world. He wants us to be on our toes in full expectation of what God's desiring to do. Come on, the lion has roared. Who can help but prophesy? God is roaring in the land. Who can help but rise up in a bold declaration of what God has to say about the circumstance and situation? There's an interesting passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 31, verses 4 and 5. And it says, this is what the Lord says to me. As the lion growls, a great lion over its prey, it is not frightened by shouts, or disturbed by clamor. So the Lord Almighty will come down to do battle on Mount Zion and on its heights. Like birds hovering overhead, the Lord Almighty will shield Jerusalem. He will shield and deliver it. He will pass over it and will rescue it. It's a clear reference to the Passover where God protects his people. But I want you to pay attention to the early part of that scripture. It says, this is what the Lord says as a lion growls. The Hebrew word that translates growl is also the Hebrew word that translates meditate, like meditating on God's word. And I just challenge you to understand, as we meditate on the word of God, a growl begins to be formed within our soul. And the lion of the tribe of Judah begins to roar. And that growl within us through the meditation of God's word is activated and awakened in a powerful and profound way. And the sound of God's voice is released in the earth in our willingness to walk this out. This is your challenge this week. Every week we bring this action point. And I just challenge you this week to consider three to five verses of Scripture that you can focus on, you can meditate on over and over in the course of this week, just speaking them out loud, just kind of developing and cultivating that growl so that the lion of the tribe of Judah can begin to roar through you with great confidence. Come on, circumstances in our fallen world will many times make no sense at all. But I want to challenge you uh, in the midst of things that may not make sense. Don't give up on what you know because of something you don't understand. We know that God is faithful, God is good, God is love, God is powerful. And we don't understand necessarily everything that takes place in a fallen world. And there are many times circumstances can hit us hard. And if we're not careful, it knocks us off balance and we kind of lose our focus and step out of an attitude and a mindset of faith. And I want to just share something with you as we begin to prepare our hearts to go into a place of worship. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer in the 1800s. He and his wife, they grieved the loss of their two-year-old son. I mean, imagine, and and some of you perhaps know what that is to to lose a child, but they lost a two-year-old son. Grieving that loss, 
Then they suffered complete and total financial devastation and financial ruin from the great Chicago fire. He had planned to take a trip with his wife and their remaining four children, all four were girls, uh, their four daughters, uh, across the Atlantic into Europe. But because of being caught up in some of the intricacies of trying to recover from uh, the devastation with his business, his firm, and real estate, uh, he was unable to leave when his wife and four daughters left. And so they, they went ahead and he said, I'll follow shortly after, and they, they went on the voyage without him. And about midway in the Atlantic Ocean, their ship hit another vessel. And unfortunately, many people on that ship died. And uh, his wife did survive, but they lost all four of their daughters in that crash. So immediately, he then gets on the next ship to make his way across to be with his grieving wife who's now mourning the loss of all of their children. I just, I can't imagine what that must have been like to lose a two-year-old, suffer financial ruin, and then lose the rest of it. I mean, I, I, the depth of that pain, I'm so thankful God is near the brokenhearted. And so he's on the ship, and he's, he's now crossing the Atlantic, and, and they're, they're talking about the location of where two ships collided, and he's, he's realizing what they're talking about is the very place where his four daughters drowned. Standing on the ship, he, he decides to go back to his room because God is near the brokenhearted. He just went back in a place of, of, of mourning and weeping and loss. And in his room, God invaded his room and he took out a pen and a paper and he began to write these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Millions and millions of people have sung those words as he penned that hymn in one of the deepest places of pain that we could possibly imagine. But God somehow, out of that crucifixion pain, brought resurrection purpose when he followed the example of Christ and he surrendered all of that pain before the Lord and said, I don't understand what I'm facing. I don't understand what I'm going through, but God, I trust you. And I want to challenge you today. On this day, when we're celebrating that Jesus is alive, we can have the life of Christ in every circumstance and situation that we're walking through in our lives. When we're willing to look to him, no matter what it is that we see around us, maybe circumstances that have gone on in your life that have created frustration for you, I just challenge you to lift that up to the Lord your God. Maybe the, the, the whole pandemic has you completely sideways. I just challenge you to lift that up to the Lord your God. And as we press in and we worship, I want to ask you, don't just spectate and watch a few songs that we're going to sing. We're going to step into this hymn, to this declaration that, that was written in this place of great pain. And if you're fortunate enough to be in your living room with your children, I encourage you, draw them close right now. Give thanks for your family. Give thanks for your home. Give thanks for what God is about to do even in your household. As we just press in and we worship him, let his presence fill your heart. Let his presence fill your home. Lord, we pray. We cry out to you. We ask you, Lord, fill us with your spirit to overflowing. Help us, Lord, that we would serve you, that we would know you, that we would walk with you all the days of our lives. Help us, Lord, to enter into a place where in these few moments of worship, we're really engaging with your presence and allowing you to have your way. 
Lord, we agree as touching today that you are mighty. Jesus is Lord. You are the Savior of the world. You came to rescue all humanity from our sin. And we agree, Lord, that you're not over only our Savior, but we're inviting you to be the Lord of our lives. And I just challenge you, if you agree with that, just say out loud right there in your home, amen and amen. And connect with us so that we can help you navigate through this salvation relationship where conversation with God becomes a normal way of life. Father, invade our homes. Help us to be men and women that you've called us to be as sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.